When you need the independence to speak your mind, you take it on the all-new talk radio, Freedom, Freedom. 106.5 FM. We have a very special interview. We had an interview prior with this gentleman. He's joining us in studio this morning as we continue what we started back then. Let me welcome to our program here. His, his list of qualifications goes on and on and on. Traumatologist Hanif Benjamin, good morning to you and welcome back to our program. It's nice to have you in studio this time around. Blessed good morning to you and thank you for having me and all your listeners throughout the world. Thank you. Let's let's begin a bit. For those who may have missed our initial interview, and uh, for, uh, let me give you the opportunity to familiarize the listener with who you are and some of what you're involved in so that they can have a greater understanding for your perspective and your views. Tell, so, tell us about yeah, that. So I am Hanif E. Benjamin, clinical therapist, traumatologist, forensic traumatologist, you development specialist at the Center for Human Development Limited. We're a psychological counseling, EAP training and development company with a primary focus on trauma. Um, and we work in Trinidad and Tobago and throughout the region and the world at large. Um, I'm also an adjunct lecturer at the University of the Southern Caribbean. And so that's me. That's a lot in a nutshell, I can tell you that. Uh, that's a pretty big nutshell. But it's, it's, it's good that you have all of these um, uh, things to bring to the discussion. Because the, the discussion is, is probably one that we need to have, probably one that we're not having enough of, mm -hmm. for people to understand to themselves what's going on and why people feel a certain way. This country continues to be bombarded daily by all kinds of events and, and developments that can have an impact on a person that, even though they're not directly involved in what's mm. taking place, they, they, they share sentiment about it. Our discussions this morning focused on uh, a bit on what's going on with crime, as we always do, and what's going on more importantly with the nation's children. Indeed, and, and where you started off in terms of, you know, things are happening and people are affected, we call that vicarious traumatization, huh? right? Where, where even though a crime may not have been perpetrated against you personally, but you feel the effects much as if you were um, the victim. Because we, we share a close relationship with one another through social media. So, so there isn't anything that, that we don't see or feel. And over the last couple of years, what I've also noticed is in the media, mainstream media and other medias, there is no longer uh, the need or the want to, to blur out or to, 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 to minimize the impact of, of, of visualizing what's going on. So, so we get TV shows with the dead bodies we see on social media, um, you know, the man hanging from a tree, um, the gruesome shooting, we see it. And in seeing it, uh, we are affected by what we see, mm -hmm. even though we are not directly involved. So, so when people speak to, well, you know, something happened, but it happened to me kind of scenario, I say that is not entirely true. Because if we are honest with ourselves, many of us have changed the way we traverse our lives daily. Many of us, for one reason or the next, we are going home earlier and we're not liming as long as we wanted to or we used to. We have changed our modus operandi without even knowing in some instances that it changed. And that is because of the vicarious trauma and the fear that comes along with it. Um, so yes, trauma affects 
every one of us throughout our society. And, and that is why some years ago, I made the point that we are a traumatized society. We are one of violent society and we are also a traumatized society because we are reeling from trauma every single day. I can't remember the last time I picked up any newspaper on the first or second page and really saw good news, happy news in the main. I can't remember the last time I listened to, to a newscast without the first five minutes being inundated with pain and hurt and trauma. And that is what we live every day. The first 20 minutes of any news program in the evening on any one of the stations is inundated with eight kill, five kill, robbery, children suspended, children fight, children. So everything seemed to be surrounding the, 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 the trauma of the day. And, and it's just happening day in and day out. And, and therefore, now the conversation like we're having now is also filled with trauma, also filled with pain and hurt. Mm. So we are living it and reliving it constantly. But what does that tell us? It tells us that as a society, we are in a difficult place. We are in a place where we are hypervigilant. Um, and in Trinidad terms, we're jumpy. We are always jumpy because we never know walking down the road you could be killed by a stray bullet because of what's going on. We are always jumpy because you don't know who's going to run into your house. Mm. You are always jumpy because you don't know um, what is going to happen to your child or children. And so you are walking around in a constant state of hypervigilance. Now, what is difficult about that? When your body becomes hypervigilant, certain things happen. So your amygdala steps in, which is the part of your brain that is responsible for fight, flight, or freeze. With that, the adrenaline, with that, the cortisol comes in. And so imagine your body is in a constant state of preparedness to deal with trauma. That is not how the body was designed, to be constantly in that state. So now that has an impact on your physical health. Because if you are constantly in a hypervigilant state, your anxiety is always high, now your body is going to be changing to constantly responding to stimuli in the social environment. And so it's not just about a traumatic incident, a murder, but it goes towards your own mental health and your physical health. Hmm. And when those two things combine, we have the quality of life naturally is dropping. Is there a flip side to this? Um meaning in, in, in my television and I often refer to my television yes some of the things that I've seen. I remember going to the scene of a murder in I think it was in Moval or some one of those places. The exact location is is, is irrelevant to what I'm going to say. There was a murder mm -hmm. and it was afternoon, three, four in the afternoon. Um so so you had children, they they just come home from school as mm -hmm. we say. The body was lying down on the road. The area was cordoned off. Mm -hmm. And within eyesight, you had some boys kicking ball. As if as if nothing as if, as if, as if it's normal, you know, and, and and I remember telling the cameraman to capture those two images mm -hmm. in the shot because it showed how immune these little children were Correct. to death. And and not just to death, but to murder. They had become so acclimatized to it that it didn't make a difference to them. And, and to some adults, even being in the vicinity of a murder is so traumatic that some people can't function. 
do we have the flip side where some of us have become so immune to this violence that that we don't take it on again? It's not. It's not you become immune. What you're talking about is is, is one of the, the the other symptoms of trauma. The first I described was hypervigilance, and the second is becoming numb, right? And and when you are, you know. <coughs> traumatized by your social environment your brain naturally tries to protect itself mm -hmm. and so you become numb to what is going on because you don't want to always have to deal with the stimulus of of, of what is going on around you and also we have a scenario where it is a common place when you're growing up to see a dead body long time was was a thing like oh my god did you see and it became a topic now you are so I mean, it's in your face everywhere you turn, right? I remember I wrote to one of these um, social Instagram pages where they posted a man hanging, right? No blurring or anything. And I wrote them and I said, listen, this is somebody's father, son, mm -hmm. brother, cousin. Why would you defame uh, uh, this person even in death by just having him there? Like, why, why would you do that? And then when you look at some of the, 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 the gruesome murders, the murder, the body, a lot of the young boys especially revere this. They screenshot it and it becomes their, 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 their screenshot, it becomes their, their picture of a dead body. And so we have to understand where we are as a society in relation to, to, to how we see and interact with trauma. And, and you're right, we're getting to a point where nobody really cares anymore because it's happening so frequently. It's just like another one, another one. That is a dangerous place to be as a society, though. Yeah. It, w w there are some, I'm assuming, other things that we would have seen. But can we pinpoint where we went down this road or was this a progressive thing was it a gradual thing or is it tied directly to the crime situation this has been in the making for a long time this is not this is not new and sometimes when i i hear people you know we had to solve the crime situation no i mean it sounds good from a political perspective i guess but but we have been along this road this long winding difficult road for quite some time didn't this didn't happen yesterday this didn't happen today this has been in the making for generations right because we must know who we are and where we are it cannot be and this is a point i've made a long time in a paper i wrote a long long time ago and it's relevant even today it is it is unacceptable for us to want to be part of a global village mm -hmm. and only accept what is good. People don't agree with me. But the reality is, if you are part of a global village and you are in this reciprocal type of relationship, you must understand that the good, the bad, and the ugly is also part of that globalization. You cannot want to be part of the global village and not prepare for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And while we prepare for the good and we want to absorb the good of the Western world and all these other places, we must have also recognized that crime would evolve based on globalization. The guns would evolve based on globalization. We're not going to be operating with a .38 revolver in Trinidad like a long time. No, 
The world has moved from 0.38 and we now have 9 millimeters with, with extended um, um, staff. So we are going to get it. So it means then that are we or should we have been preparing for the fallout of the negative impact of globalization? We must recognize that the, the reliance on drugs in the world has catapulted from the 1980s come up the road. And where we sit as a country, as a transshipment, you must have recognized that at some point, the drugs will be flowing through here. And if the drugs are flowing through, you need people to carry the drugs. And if you need people, you need guns to protect it. So in, in my mind, in my mind, I am thinking that we must have known coming out from years go by that this is this is a, a gradual challenge that we are facing and therefore preparation should have been afoot so 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 to now be on the back foot in terms of oh my god look at where we are no drugs and guns have been part of our culture for a long time we have not addressed it and we have allowed it to to, to, to reach to, to a stage where we're no longer in control hmm. so the question is what happened then and what is happening now? There were some people who would have said that things were being put in place and th that whole conversation, but the challenge is now. What do we do now? How do we protect our children and our families? Because uh, we, we are in a situation where a lot of young people, again, seemingly just have a job. That is why we're seeing the killings being what it is. They just come and they shoot you, empty the clip and keep it moving without any remorse. And people say, oh my God, the man didn't even... Yeah, because it's a job. There's a 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever. I am not here to be emotional. And that is what is different. But what are the alternatives? We'll talk about the alternatives after these messages. And of course, our listeners will encourage you to be a part of the discussion as well. Stay with us. When you need the independence to speak your mind, you take it on the all-new talk radio, Freedom, Freedom. 106.5 FM. Welcome back. For those of you now joining our discussion, we are speaking with the traumatologist, Hannah Benjamin. And our wide-ranging discussion, we'll be getting to a number of things. Let's take a, a couple of your calls. 627-322-3625-2257. See who's here. Hello, good morning. Morning, Satish. Morning, Jay, I guess. Morning, Just tuning into the program, and I heard um, there are two solutions to meet the crime problem in this country. You're surveil, you're bringing people, professional people from the outside, whether it's the U.S., surveil these people, surveil the, the, the big fish, as we say, in this country, and you deal with the crime situation, that's how you're supposed to deal with it. This is not being done. The other alternative, and there's a certain, how to put it, kind of stupid, unrealistic taboo associated with gun ownership in this country. That is the on, only other solution. That is to give firearms to the population who... Um, who, who pass the required requisite, but you can't raise the bar so high that only a few people could could, could pass it. You have, to, you have to let the population be armed. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call before your comments. Hello, good morning. Okay, Eric, you're breaking up a lot. It's difficult to understand what you're saying. How about now? Okay, go ahead. Let's, let's hear. 
All right, if you're talking about crime and solutions to crime, one of the things I want to inform you of, all of the recent raids that were done by the police was done by vetted units within the police. For a very long time, we have not held any of the people involved in the drug trade in this country because they have compromised key members of our security services. So we must be able to know who is who. That is one of the key areas of treating with crime in this country. And we must never go asleep and understand that what come into our borders are the greatest causation in relation to it. And those who are charged with guarding our borders, the customs, the coast guard, and all of those, they must be men of impeccable character. Mm. If we do these things, we are going to have a greater impact on crime and criminal activity. Thank you so much for your call. That's uh, part of the discussion, not necessarily the focus. We were talking this morning about some of the alternatives to what we have at this point in time. Uh, you brought up that you know, we need to have some alternatives to, to how we treat with crime, what are we at deep and one, and some of what's, what we're experiencing. But before we get to that, um, as I said earlier on in the program, we were talking about children mm-hmm. and about what's going on with children. We have seen some dastardly events that have resulted in the deaths of children, some children have been seriously injured in some other cases, and it's it's cause for concern. The poll question this morning was: Do people think enough is being done to enforce the laws that we already have when it comes to children? Um, what's what's your opinion on, on what we're seeing and some of why so probably why some of it is taking place? We have for a very long time been neglecting our children. There is. Uh, there is a misalignment between understanding that children are our most vulnerable in our population. They're most vulnerable because they can't protect themselves. Someone must protect them. But it, it seems as if the level of protection that we want as adults is lacking for our children. The level of, 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 of protection that you will march for that you will protest for that you will you will do for we we don't do that for our children and we are seeing time and time again for one reason or the next that the children are always on the receiving end of trauma Mm. whether it is sexual abuse physical abuse neglect whatever it is or just simply not minding the business of our children our children' childhood continues to be snuffed, and this is not new. Mm. Again, nothing that we are seeing here is new, you know. All of what we are seeing has been happening for, since time immemorial. The question is, why haven't we found the remedy and the, 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 the program to ensure the child's safety? But, okay, I, I, I hear you. And, and we, whenever we have these discussions, we, 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 we get this point that we need to educate people more. We need to inform them. We need to make them more aware. But what do you really need to tell an adult mm-hmm. not to lock a five-year-old child in a car? I mean, uh, let, let's take it on to that level of, of I, I don't want to use the term common sense, mm-hmm. but how do you begin to take that decision? To leave a child, and we're dealing with it, you know, it's under investigation, we need to be careful how we talk about it and all that kind of thing. But we're talking about the, the, the act itself. Let me answer it this way, uh-huh. because, because it's under I don't want to go too much, but let me answer it this way. You would not sit in your car 
for five minutes without the AC on. <laughs> full stop. That is true. That is so true. Full stop. And, and, and to me, that is the crux of the matter. You would not sit in your car midday with the AC off or the windows up and the car is off. You would not do that as an adult. You're going to a taxi, you're cussing the driver because it's too hot outside and they don't have on the AC. And they won't put on the AC. You don't want to go into that car because that man AC are working. I mean, you're right. Let me answer it from that, and that is the perspective. So for me, the question is, what priority are we giving to our children? Mm-hmm. It, is a, it, it boils down to priority. Our children are not number one, they're not number two, they're not number three. They are constantly low on the order of importance. And if I am low on the order of, of, of importance, it means then that the mechanism to protect will also be low. So I am studying you, the child. I am not thinking about you, the child. I am thinking about me, the adult, and I am thinking about what I want. But we are not mindful that our children, in many, in all instances, require the adult to make the adult decisions to protect. When did we have this? Okay, let me. If I describe it as a breakdown. When did this breakdown in priorities start? It uh, has always been. Okay. It has always been. The United Nations, through the, 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 the rights of the child, through conventions, have been trying to put children on the pedestal uh, uh, where they should belong, right? But the question is, we sign these signatories and we, we, we take pictures and we look pretty. But what's supposed to happen to follow through with that is not happening in many respects. Our children have been brutalized from a long time. Our children live in poverty. Poverty is the greatest trauma of all times. Mm-hmm. When you live in poverty, many other types of trauma happen because when you live in, 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 in difficult neighborhoods, things happen as well. So, so what are the protective factors that we put around our children? You see, if our children lack the protective factors... It means that they will will lack the protection that they need. Now, let me tell you something. I have also come to a realization that not everybody know. And the reason why not everybody know is because they are so within their own mind in terms of what they see, how they see it. They don't see outside of that peripheral. And so that is why education remains important, mm. hands down. Can, okay, I, I know that we need to take a break, but when we get back after the news, how do we realign that priority? Because I think that's, that's the essence of the discussion in all of these cases that we've seen. And I went on to, to outline them, you know, the burning of the child who died at hospital, the child who was sick for a whole week in Matlot, and then they take the child to hospital. She died. If police didn't see a, a, a naked little baby running in the road, they would not find the other two and find out what's going on with them. We have this one, and then we have the, what, the boy who drowned. So there are so many instances. But your perspective clarifies the discussion as to what the problem really was. The focus on, at that point in time was not on the child, was not on the child's safety, but rather on, as you said, what the parent was involved in or what the guardian was involved in or what they were too preoccupied with. 
rather than looking at the safety of their children. When you need the independence to speak your mind, you take it on the all-new talk radio, Freedom, Freedom. 106.5 FM. Welcome back. It's just about three minutes after eight. We are speaking this morning with traumatologist Hanif Benjamin. Let's take one or two of your calls before we get back into our interview here this morning. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. For some reason, you weren't hearing us and we definitely weren't hearing you. So try us back on 627-3223, Before we went to the break, we were into a very, very interesting discussion about children and some of what we are seeing and the priorities of parents and and so let's let's see if we have somebody here person to try back. Hello, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, very quickly, I want to make two quick points. One is that hindsight is twenty twenty vision. Um, all the Sorry. Are you hearing me? Yes, we're hearing you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. In terms of the 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 person who left the child in the car. You know, it's difficult to understand how that could happen. But at the same time, it's easy to understand how that could happen. For instance, if, um, let me say, this person had a, a, a child and they pull up an ATM machine and they just say, let me run in the ATM machine to, to, to do. I ain't seen it correct. I'm just telling you that 2020 vision is another way that this thing could happen. And they run inside there, hoping to come out in, in less than a minute. Somehow they get distracted and like let me say that bad job so nearby. By the time they take all the money, they forget the child in the car and they say, Well, I'll go in by the drug store next door to buy something. So it's so now that they spend maybe half an hour on the child. I'm not making excuses, but for people to analyze it just so that the, the person man is a normal person like me and you, and that hopefully it will happen to any of us. That is one. The second point I want to make is that I think too much is expected of the police in terms of re reducing crime. For instance, that children getting on bad in school and things. You know the solution that suggests that it are more police force to, to reduce fighting in school? That is one. The second thing is that police duties to take guns off the streets and solve crimes after they commit it. Let me say they take guns off the street. Does it reduce the amount of people looking for guns? It does nothing in that respect. So the crime only the foreign, the police have the role to play. Take off the guns off the street and right. but oh, that okay. cannot be expected all to be right. crime. Kola, okay, okay. I, I hear you. So then if if the police not responsible in, in your or I I'm trying to understand what you're telling me. Because as a citizenry, who do you look to to deal with crime if not the police? And if you are suggesting well the police this and that and the net, who do you suggest we look to? The 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 the, the, the fault in that argument is that there is no one solution to crime, but the police is not the only solution. As I said, the all right. Okay, thank you so much. I, I think we've gone on, but that's not necessarily why we're here and what we're discussing. Um, at the end of the day, there's responsibility that these organizations need to shoulder, whether you like it or not. The police service has a duty to the nation, and the, there's an expectation when something goes wrong and there's a crime committed. You pick up the phone, who you want people call? They have called the police. As to whether or not the police is resourced and staffed and whatever else to carry out the job that the way they're supposed to is a totally different discussion. Prior to the break, we were talking about 
the priorities of parents and how these priorities may have influenced some of what we see taking place with our children. And, and you put forward a very, very interesting perspective about the priorities. But there's a flip side to that, isn't there? But, and, you know, I just want to touch on what the caller said. Yeah. First sure. point he made, and he talked about, you know, you're running to the grocery. And that is exactly the point that I'm making. If that child is a priority, you would never forget the child for half an hour. <laughs> and, and that's the point. While I understand it is easy for things to happen, we have to understand that they are the priority because they can come out of the car and go and just sit down in the cool until the parent comes back, right? Because they are a child and they're in the car, you tell them, sit there. Mm-hmm. So when... And how should we make them the priority? But, you know, you talk about how do you change? Mm-hmm. And, and while we, the conversation could go a lot into the problems and or lean towards a sense of delinquency, we have to also understand that survival is also a priority. It is a competing priority. And when we are living in a country where poverty is where it is, and survival is where it is for many of our parents. Survival is what is the competing factor, right? When a parent have to work two jobs so that the very children must eat and go to school, but they can't be there to provide the level of supervision that the law requires them to provide. Mm-hmm. That is a priority, a competing priority. When a parent is so in, engulfed in trying to survive, mentally and from an emotional perspective, they might not make their children a priority. You see, and so we we have to look at it from what I call a 360 approach. It cannot be that, yeah, your parent bad and your parent this, but at the same time, we're not providing for the well-being of the people in in, in our country. The quality of life for many is is, is below the standard, the minimum standard. Mm. Those, those, those instances, you'd be naive to suggest they don't exist, where persons are confronted by situations and they do what they think is best. Correct. In the situation, given the resources and the, 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 the options available to them. Additionally, they do what they think is best based on what they know. We can't forget that factor. Because if I don't know that the alphabet has F, Onwards, and I thought that the alphabet only had A, B, C, D, E. And I plan to do up to E as efficiently as I can. But even if you're doing it as efficiently as you can, you're still missing another 20, 18, or how much letters, you see. And so that is why I said I no longer assume people to know. Because even when they, they do what, what they can as best as they can, the, the conversation always is... Is it that I know more? That is why I could never... I am an eternal teacher. I will teach for life because we have to. I remember when I was working in the United States in, in, in a project, they call it the projects, right? What we call the ghetto and stuff. And I met three generations in one apartment. Mm. And the question is, why are you not moving out at, outside the project? And somebody asked me, what is that? Because they have never been in the suburbs. They have never been in an environment that is different to what they know. 
So they can only engage mentally based on their, 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 their schematic schemas, meaning what has entered the brain. And so if a child or a family has not been exposed to more, that is why when we were growing up, we wanted to either be a police, a fireman, a teacher, right, or a priest, or a religious leader. You know why? Because mainly those were the persons who would come to the schools to talk to students and stuff. So that is what we knew. Very few of us knew we wanted to be a, a lawyer, a doctor, this, a, this, a, this, a, this, going down the road. Right, and he definitely didn't want to be a dentist because he associated that with a lot of pain. But the, the point is, a lot of people are in survival mode. And when you are in survival mode, what you see become very limited. What but, you know becomes very limited. But here's the, here's the, the, I don't want to say the hole in that argument because it's, it's, it's valid. But the cases that we are seeing are not necessarily... In the, in, the, in the large extent, at least these harrowing ones, where somebody had to go to work and they leave the child at home. These, but but the, how many times have we had scenarios where you left the child at home and the child drowned, the house burned down? We've had instances. Exactly. Like we, we, we do. That's why I say there, there are many elements of the discussion. But these matters that have been brought to the fore, I mean, the, the one where the little child walked out of the house in Mayara and ended up dead. And, and we found the remains days after and so on. Those weren't cases where people were working or trying to make a living or were confronted by situations that would have forced them to take action. But we don't know that now. Suppose I was tired because I worked the night before. And I just, my body just, just I just had to sleep. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and I don't have support. And, and, and so I hear what you're saying, and, and, and I always have to look at it from, from this place of, of therapeutic jurisprudence. Well, okay, I hear you. I, I hear you. I do. And I understand the relevance of what it is you're saying. But as a parent myself, mm -hmm. I, I am overly cautious with the child. Correct. And I, I, have, I, I have two children. My, my eldest daughter is 13, and the younger one, she's eight going on nine months. Recently, I had to, to do some errands. And I had to take the child with me because he's mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And she was asleep in the car. And I had to go to a business place to get something. Now, I could have simply locked she in the car and run in fast and get what I want. But that, to me, seemed irresponsible. And therefore, you place a priority on, on her safety. And what I did was I called the store and said, listen to me, I have a child in the car. I really don't want to leave her. Can you send someone outside? And they were very accommodating. But you see, many times... As you are saying, the priority is not there because I had other things to do. I wake the child up and I take her with me. She goes sleep again when she come back in the car, but I'm sure she's safe. And, 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 and in the instance, I mean, I don't want to talk, I don't know what's the investigation, but let's just take the incident where the child walked out of the house and ended up in a river. If you know you're tired and you, the possibility exists that you could fall asleep, you have to make sure the child can't get out of the house. That's your responsibility because the child don't know danger. Even this, this nine-month-old, nine she's forever on the edge of the bed because mm -hmm. she does not understand that I could topple over and pop my neck and end up dead. So you as the adult, and, and, and I, I, I've seen some cases where we've had in the news babies who are three months and this and that and the next, mm -hmm. they take them to hospital because the, the child choke. Mm -hmm. simply because maybe they're exhausted. I understand how taxing a child could be. Taking care of a child is a real demanding thing. 
but you cannot let your guard down at all. You Correct. always have to think one step ahead. Three. Five, five, as many steps as possible because as you outlined, this child can't take care of itself. So for example, you make a child, have you safe-proof your home? Let's, all our electric outlets are in the, in the reach of children, mm-hmm. right? We, we don't put electric outlets over children. Have you said, so, so, but again, is it that we are not educating? Because again, the, the assumption is you ought to know you, you ought to know, the, but but outside of thinking that they know, should we be helping? Should we be educating? Because there are so many competing priorities in one's mind on a daily basis. The question becomes, do we need reminders? I always remember this, this advertisement, it is now 9 p.m. Do you know where your child is? Right. Do, do, we, do we know? And I mean, I heard that when I was a boy. Yeah. Right on, on, on whatever that station was, mom used to listen to. But but the point is, there must be a multi-pronged approach to this. It can't be that our children continue to be on the receiving end of death and dying and hurt and pain. There's there's a position that was put forward. We've spoken to a number of people from Children's Authority, and one of the questions I asked almost all of them: Do we have a parenting problem in this country? We do. You echo the sentence, but how do we fix, how do you begin to fix a problem as vast as that one? If you have persons who are making children and don't understand or, or cannot comprehend or, or whatever it is, the responsibilities that goes along with that, how do you even begin? So, so and I know people would say, well, we have the, the parenting TT and we have this and we have that. What we need to recognize, the first thing we need to do in my view is remove the negative stigma associated with parenting, training, and classes. Mm -hmm. We have only used that when we consider parents to be bad or or ill-prepared. So the court will say, you're going to parenting class, or you're going to parenting training. So we use it as a punishment as opposed to a developmental tool. To me, every parent should have that opportunity to enroll in a community program where they can go to learn to understand adolescent children, the, the, the stages of development. Because many of us, including you, may not understand adolescent development. You're probably going through mental torture with your 13-year-old because, oh my God, they're now entering a period where they think that they're Superman or Superwoman. They're challenging every they're single cha- thing. Of course. And so you are going knockers because what? But if you understand the brain, you are fighting a losing battle. Your job is to provide guidance and direction and allow them to make safe choices. But you can't stifle what is natural within them. Sexual development, healthy sexual development. We fight in the struggle to have the conversation in school since God knows how long because we are overly religious. And if you talk about sex in school, oh my God, they're going to have it. Yet every child is exposed via their cell phone to the most lewd content ever. But yet we're still fighting whether we should teach them in a healthy way. It, it, it means that if we open safe spaces within our communities and have sustained, cycled programs where our newborn a parent who is actually going to make a baby should could enroll into, into neonatal type of training into the first years of baby, into the, into the you know, second going up the road. If we allow these things to happen, we educate people. And you know what? If we have it, people will come. 
if we have it, people would come. But there's a crisis and we have this one-off thing and a this year. No, we need to have sustained programs. And we have NGOs, FBOs who can do this. And we can instill in our society a sustained... We know that every year, every three months you're running a cycle of a four-week program, a five-week program, and you break it up into different um, age brackets. We help people to understand because a lot of things parents don't understand. Parents understand why my child is taking so much risk because the brain is designed to take risk. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen as well, we've had a number of instances where young children have been taken to hospital with varying extents of injury. And, and you, you can tell that the child was beaten mm -hmm. and you hear these stories and and some young people involved as parents and guardians. And, and, and I, I sit and look at these stories and I know to myself that that's frustration. It is. Because as, as, as mature as I am, and I consider myself to be very mature, dealing with that child and all the other things that you have to deal with in your regular life and your relationship and work and this and that and the next. And then when you go home and you want to sleep and this child requires your attention and you can't sleep and it frustrates Gets, or you ask does. them to do something and you have to ask them a thousand times, times it, so you go crazy in the house. It really does get to you. It, it can. And I'm not saying that I, 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 I understand lashing out, you know, or I understand abusing a child because that's what it is. Uh, but I, I, I can see how someone can break. It is, to me, it is responsible of us, you and I, um, to recognize that there are two ends of the spectrum and then there is the middle. We operate in the ends of the spectrum and not the middle. Whereas either we get really frustrated and take it out on the child, or we take a, 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 a hands-off approach. It is our role, our responsibility to help bring it in the middle through training, development, guidance. Mm. Because it is, it is easy for someone to lose their cool, to have an emotional eruption, right? Because they don't know how to deal with all the challenges of life and people tell you well if you don't want to make the child don't bring the child into the world foolishness we need to guide people and so we need to recognize that there are two ends to this and we need to help people come to the middle because naturally if i am in the frustration i seldom see outside i seldom see solution within myself so someone have to come in and guide that process we've seen as well um uh, an evolution of the family circle. Correct. Because the the support, the number of people in a home, the, the number of people to help raise this one child has gone down to, in some instances, one person. Correct. Whereas, and, and this one person has to earn a living as well exactly, as this, raise this child. So the challenges are there, but even though there are challenges, we we can't lose focus, as you said, of the priority Correct. of the child's safety. This Correct. has been a most, uh, we're almost all, well, we are out of time, actually. Um, and we do have a number of messages. We have another interview that's supposed to start shortly. But this is a discussion that I think we need to have more of. Hoping, exactly. hoping somewhere, somehow, that somebody hears what it is we are saying and, and uses it in their own circumstance. Let me tell you before I go, I want to thank you for the opportunity. This was, in fact, enlightening on many levels as well. I am calling on all because we all have a responsibility to raise our children. I no longer believe in the sociological perspective of the primary 
um, caregiver, is the parent, because a child spends eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, 1,000 hours an academic year with someone else who is not the parent. So it means that all of us have a responsibility. I want to call on the churches, the mandir, the mosque, the, the, the religious organization to, to take a more active role in, 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 in bringing up the children in the community. Even if they don't come to church, you know, even if they don't come to your church, yeah. take an active role. I understand that. My Let us all get involved and do what we need to do mm-hmm. to bring up our children so that they can enjoy a childhood. Yeah, I, I, I understand that fully. My my daughter is brought up as a Hindu, but her two two cousins, uh, they're Christian. So they go to a church and they have these camps during the vacation and everything yes. else. And the child said she wanted to go. And I, I, I am not that insecure about my religion. If she goes to a camp and a church means she could convert or any kind of thing like that. And she went. And she had a wonderful time with, with, with children her own age, with her cousins and everybody learning else. Diversity. Yeah, and she graduated and she it was a it was a learning experience. But you're right, those kinds of events um guide children. And sometimes you can identify problems with parents too. Long before. Yeah. We don't have to wait until it becomes an issue. That is why I'm saying and this morning I made the point. We have the solution, we have the people, we have the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Why are we not using it? We need to get back into our community in a real way. I want to see on my cricket ground and my community on our evening. That family is coming out. We don't see it anymore. Well, I need the police who are in the community to be involved in the community. So, you know, after school, I don't see no police car driving around my village. I want to see the lights at night. I want to see the police come and hang out by the, 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 the basketball court, the, the stuff, just to be with so people could feel safe to come out in the evening. Those are the things we need to inculcate in our communities to get our communities back, to get our children healthy, to get us healthy. But this takes the discussion full circle. That is why I be- said because it's we a started off, we start, yeah, we started off by saying that people are scared now because of crime and because of that they're not going out Correct. to these things. So I want to thank you so much for being with Pleasure. us this morning. It was a really, really interesting discussion. I think, Definitely. as I said. We may have a second installment, third installment. Keep on talking about this thing as many times as we can. That, of course, our special guest, traumatologist, Hanif Benjamin. Some messages and we'll be right back. Stay with us. When you need the independence to speak your mind, you take it on the all-new talk radio, Freedom Freedom. 106.5 FM.